Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to finish the saga of Gideon. We're going to be in Judges chapter 8, verse 22 through the end. So <clears throat> we've seen a lot in the book of Judges, the constant back and forth, and uh, there's a couple of sayings here. This George Santayana, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Uh, this man named George Hegel, history teaches us that man learns nothing from history. And of course, that great philosopher, Yogi Berra, who says it's like deja vu all over again. And that's what's, that's what's been happening here. Um, <clears throat> we're in uh, approximately 400 years between Joshua and Samuel. And up until this point, well, we had Moses and you had Joshua, both men of God, both spiritual, both trusting in the Lord. And in fact, at Joshua 23, verses 1 to 3, now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old and advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Again, Joshua 24, verse 31, his final send-off. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for them. So, now, the, the book of Judges stands in stark contrast to the book of Joshua. In Joshua, an obedient people conquered the land through trust in the power of God. In Judges, however, a disobedient and idolatrous people are defeated time and time again because of their rebellion against God. In seven distinct cycles, Judges shows how Israel had set aside God's law and in place substituted what was right in their own eyes. The recurring result of abandonment from God's law is corruption from within and oppression from without. God raises up judges to throw off the yoke of bondage, but all too soon the sin cycle begins again. It happens right away. Judges <clears throat> chapter 2 verse 7 to 13. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died 
when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Herez in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all the generations had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. <clears throat> so it didn't take them long to lose their, lose their focus, to lose track. Um, in, the, in Judges chapter 1, they started off <clears throat> pretty good. They called upon the Lord, who shall go up first? And the Lord said, Judah. And then Judah said, uh, asked his brother, why don't you come alongside me? We'll go together. And they did great guns. They defeated a whole bunch of enemies. And then it came, then <clears throat> they came, they defeated the, the people in the mountains, but then they stopped. They defeated in the lowlands who had chariots of iron, and they got dis discouraged, and that was it. <clears throat> we saw other tribes that uh, took matters into their own hands. They defeated the people. They didn't wipe them out as God had asked, as God had commanded. Um, and they left these people behind as if to say, in some instances, you know, Lord, these people, um, you know, we can tax them. We can get money from them. You know, we deserve some payback from, uh, from Egypt. And it was all <clears throat> led to their continuing downfall because these people in the land continued to be... a. a be a scorn to them, be a, you know, lead them off astray to the bowels and the asterisks. So we've been in the, in the book of uh, learning about Gideon, and we saw Gideon overcome. He had uh, put down the fleece, he talked to God, he questioned God, God confirmed it with, for him, and then finally, Finally, he, he accepted and he, he went on. And I think what happened is, and I'm going to intersperse here. Um, well, I'm going to start with Judges uh, 8, verse 22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also. For you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. So it took a while for Gideon to get to this point. Again, the fleece. And I'm going <clears> to <throat> interject here. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Now, it, I'm just going to put this in here. I think at this point in time, after he, he went down to the camp and he heard the dreams, it finally sunk in and he finally took a trust in the Lord to do what he was commanded to do. Put all thy heart's confidence in the Lord. Put all your hope in God. The, <clears throat> the key to this passage, our God is utterly dependable. His character makes it impossible for him to lie. His wisdom is so great, he can never make a mistake. Our God can be trusted. 
And finally, Gideon came to that point and he trusted in the Lord. <clears throat> and lean not on your own understanding. Do not rely on your own insight. Put no faith in your own perception. Not looking to your reason for support. I mean, at that point in time, he had 300 men. He was going up against the Midianites, who had, I believe it was 135, an army of 135,000. So who could ever think that of his own will, he could defeat them? But he finally came to that point where he put his trust and understanding in the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. By seeking his wise direction, he will make clear the path for you. He will, he will make your path smooth. He will clear the obstacles. <clears throat> Again, it, mean, it means that God removes the obstacles, making a smooth path or way of life, perhaps better bringing one to his appointed goal. So, again, he, Gideon finally came to that point where he put his trust in the Lord and he moved forward. And it was a great victory. And uh, <clears throat> we know that Gideon is mentioned in Hebrews 11 in God's Hall of Faith. So even though we know he wasn't perfect, we know he questioned, we know he wanted signs, but God still counted it to him for righteousness. His faith in, in finally going forward and against this oppressive odds and moving forward. So as we see here in verse 22, now the people are asking him to be the king. Again, the, the, the book of Judges ends. There is no king in Israel, and people did what was right in their own eyes. But this was not God's appointment. God was not to be the king. I mean, Gideon was not to be the king. So... Right here, it appears that God has it's sunk in. The Lord shall rule over you. So Gideon is there. Unfortunately, now we come to the next sentence, next verse. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Then oh. Gideon said to them, I would <clears throat> like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So he, he doesn't want to be king, but you know what? I, I think I deserve something. I think I should take something from this. Just give me the earrings and, and some of the ornaments, which were, you know, again, pagan ornaments. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment, and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around their camel's necks. So he's getting quite a lot here. And again, he said, I don't want to be king, but oh, maybe I'll take these robes and these earrings. And, and what he does with them is, is kind of defeats everything that happened. 
Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Oprah, and all Israel played the harlot with it. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. So here he's setting up, he's back into idolatry. He's setting it up as a snare to his people. So even though he, he brought it to a point and he made, <clears throat> he defeated the Midianites and he trusted in the Lord, now some of that trust, now he's leaning on his own understanding. He, he's back in the ways of the flesh. Verse 28. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. This is the last in each of the, the judges that we've seen so far. They've when, when it came to an end, they had 40 years or 80 years of rest. This is the last um, length of peace. As we go forward, they're going to be shorter and shorter. And some of this, the oppression is going to be coming from, from internal. Um, Andrew, Andrew Bonar, uh, a leader of the revival in Scotland, said, let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. So we can see here, I mean, Gideon, <clears throat> who in the beginning of the chapter, he, he tore down the altar of Baal, so now he's, he's substituted a new altar. So again, God gets the glory, just give me the earrings. The earrings now have become, and the ephod have become more of a threat than the weapons of Midian. He refused to be a king, but now he's living like a king. In Acts, <clears throat> Paul talks about finishing the race. Gideon doesn't finish the race well. In Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, in the New International Virgin, Virgin, God is our, God is our re refuge. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are, are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So again, Gideon had reached this point, and then he just kind of fell off the cliff. He, he went south. So now we'll continue. <clears throat> Verse 29, then Jerubabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. Kind of reminds you going forward of Solomon, who did great things. And then again, he got to a point and then he, he turned to the flesh. And again, it was, it was his downfall in the end. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son whose name he called Abimelech. So now this we're going to see is a, a, a new stumbling block because now the oppression in Israel is not going to come from without. It's going to come from within. Abimelech, the name means my father is king, but my father, his father was not a king. 
Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age, and he was buried in the tomb of Joash's and his, his father in Oprah of the Albizarites. So it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel played the harlot with the Baals and made <coughs> and made Baal Bereth their god. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from their, the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. Again, now that's <clears throat> what we have to do. What we have to, God wants us to put our trust in him. God wants us to rely on him because we know he is faithful and we know he loves us. I know sometimes we put our trust in men and it's, it's, it's just not repaid. It's not, it's not there. They always fail us. And we had, when my, inf my son was an infant, he had pulmonic stenosis. And uh, when he was born, there's a, a pressure gradient that they measure between the heart, the valve inside and outside. And it was high. And the doctor said, we know we're going to wait, let him get a little stronger. And then we'll do uh, the balloon thing, the angioplasty, which they did when he was 10 months old. Now, when the doctor came out, they said, no, it wasn't that successful. You know, we probably bought a little time, but he's, sooner or later, he's going to need open heart surgery. So at that point, we were new believers. We were praying. I know people around us were praying. And uh, it, it was funny because of my three children, he was a bull. And we were, after this angioplasty, he, you know, you have to lay in the crib. He had to lay flat for like six hours with a, a little bag of rice or something on his leg to cover the, the puncture. And that was the hardest part of being there because there was no way he wanted to lay flat. There was no way he wanted to sit still. We're in this intensive care unit. There are other really sick children in there. And after, you know, after a while, I mean, he's up in the crib, shaking on the things, and they're like, you know, can't you keep him quiet? I said, no, it's not working. So <clears throat> this brought on a, a series of visits to the cardiologist. About every three months, they would measure this pressure gradient. Okay, and the doctor says, well, you know, we're going to take as much time as we can, as long as he's holding his own, let him get stronger and bigger. You know, so this, we started two years, probably every three months. And the pressure dropped a little bit, so then we went every six months. Then probably another two years of that, then we're going once a year. So after he was like five or six, we're like, Doc, you know, can you tell us what's going on? Is this, have you ever seen this before? And we actually used the word miracle, and he wouldn't say it, but he did say, well, it will be written up in the textbooks because he had never seen it before. So, I mean, we've, we've, seen, we've seen God in action. We've seen him work. And uh, again, that's, that's where we are. That's what God wants. God wants us to put our, our trust in him. He wants, us, he wants to lead us in our paths, and he wants to, to make the way smooth for us. Again, this is going back to Moses. This is what Moses did. Moses trusted in the Lord. 
when they got to the, uh, the sea, when the Egyptians chasing them from behind. I mean, he just trusted in the Lord, and, and what did God do? God delivered the people. Now, again, we get here into Judges, and, and missing in the book of Judges is the high priest. There's no, there's no mention of the law. So the, the people have forgotten that, and how quickly we do forget things from history, things that happen, and uh, all, too, all too often, all too easy. Um, I've seen just something on this MSN homepage. They've started with, you know, this day in history. And it's amazing to, to see all these events that happened, uh, you know, recently, you know, the, the victory in Europe Day, victory in Japan Day, all these things that we forget. That, and now it's just, it's just nice to see them and remember them. Well, gee, wish we would commemorate them. But we don't. We move on. We forget. And again, that's why, that's why history repeats itself. That's what, because we just, we just do forget. We, we turn back to ourselves. We look back at what we want, just as the children of Israel did. They did what was right in their own eyes. Now, again, Gideon, he declined to be the king. I mean, that wasn't, it wasn't what God had appointed. We saw when, uh, in Samuel, when, when the people chose their king, not the one that God chose, we know what happened in that with Saul. We had to wait until David, God, God's chosen king, the man after God's own heart, that was the king that God wanted for Israel. And again, uh, you know, it's just it's just difficult these days. I mean, you put trust. I mean, I put, you know, 12, 13 years ago, I put my trust in a doctor. He treated me for six months, and he was wrong. He was wrong. It took somebody else to figure out that I, I had cancer at that time. And now, you know, everything worked out. But again, he didn't, he didn't tell me about things that might happen in the future. And now, now, now I'm back there again in that spot again. But now I trusted in the Lord. And now, so now he's provided me with, with physicians who I believe understand what's going on and are managing my treatment. He's also provided me with, with a job with health insurance because I would never be able to, to afford these treatments, which I don't even tell you how astronomical they are. I don't know how anybody affords it without insurance. But again, he is, he's comforted us. He's, he's given me that peace that I can take care of my family and, and we don't, we're not gonna go off the deep end. And I think that that's, that's the lesson with Gideon, to learn to trust in the Lord, to put your faith in him so you can direct your paths. And uh, again, I just want to close on that and close in a word of prayer. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road, in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.